Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. I finally had a chance to sit down with an old friend and now owner and CEO of Collider Media, Mark Fernandez. Mark and I met over 15 years ago through our mutual friend Mark Echo when he managed video content for Complex Media before he acquired Collider. We had a fun conversation about his early days at Rockstar working for Sam Hauser on the GTA franchise, his time leading Complex Media and executive producing their iconic shows The Hot Ones and Sneaker Shopping, his vision for Collider and Collider Games, and we spent way too much time trying to get him to help me understand why Episode 3 is his favorite chapter in the franchise, and to be honest with you, I didn't get a compelling reason. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Mark Fernandez, CEO of Collider and a longtime friend. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out and doing this. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I've, uh, we've been talking about this for a while. I think you and I even thought about doing our own podcast before. So now this is uh, about as good as uh, we're going to get. And I just noticed that you got a silver-coated Yeezy on the table. Uh, so lift the, the top of that up. That's my boy C's who made that. It's oh, a, shit, the candle holder. Yeah, That's no, cool. my, guy, cool. my guy, he C's, who's amazing, who makes great custom shoes, uh, he just fucking made that for no reason and sent it to <laughs> That's me. Cool. That's awesome. cool. That's um, cool. We did talk about podcasts. We're going to do a podcast about Star Wars because you're su- – we'll get into this, but you have <laughs> – you don't understand the Star Wars universe at all, clearly. No, not at all. Um, I want to talk about that. And then we were going to talk about the f- sports, but you're a Dolphins fan. So. Yeah, yeah. So my sports, my Star Wars, everything that I choose is always at the at the bottom, right? Is the, you make the worst decisions. <laughs> you're the smartest guy I know, but you make the worst decisions. Uh, for those who don't know Collider, I'll jump into it for a minute, but Collider is uh, an amazing uh, YouTube – channel explain walk people through give me that yeah so look um collider um you know we're i think we're probably best known for our website um you know we're one of the industry leaders in uh, entertainment news um think pieces uh breaking stories uh reviews uh really covering everything in the world of entertainment um it's been around since 2005 um when i was uh, the head of video over at complex we acquired it and then um, when Verizon uh, bought Complex, I bought Collider. Um, so I've been around the brand for a really long time. And, um, yeah, it's got a you know big website. It's got a very strong uh, video presence. It also has a very strong podcast network. Um, and now I'm moving it into games and all you know other kind of stuff. Experiential. We do a lot of stuff at at the film festivals where we you know host uh, uh, different houses and uh, you know uh, press suites and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, look, basically we're we're trying to redefine media company as everybody else is in this space. Sure. And uh, it's a fluid uh, thing. Uh, but it's look, it's exciting because even though you understand what the core values are, you never really know what's around the corner because you always got to try to stay fluid um, in uh, and adapt to the changing uh, digital marketplace. You know, so um, I don't know, like. I pretty much just call it a media company. Yeah, uh, but it's an ever-evolving media company. I was a fan of it before Complex. Before, like, I've yeah. been watching it for a long time, and when you acquired it, I got super stoked because I know what you're going to do to it. Cool. Um, and I know that we're going to do some things, and we can't talk about yet, but yeah. there's some fun stuff coming. But I want to go back. Sure. Um, we met. Uh, I want to go into a time before we knew each other. You actually worked at Rockstar. Yes. Yes. Um, I, uh, I started working at Rockstar. In uh, 2001. So you were the director of content? Yes. Is that the best way to put it? Yes. 
your uh, Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Midnight Club. Those are my three main um, franchises that I worked on. I also worked on Bully. I also worked on Red Dead Revolver back in the early days. I also worked on Oni and stuff like that. But um, uh, what'd yeah. you do on? What'd you like? What was your like? Your big, your big thing: Midnight Club and Grand Theft Auto Three. Walk, walk us through. What did you? What were your responsibilities? What'd you do? Yeah. So I'd say I, I had a. I just lost. Okay, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I'd say on um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City was more my baby than three. Three was already kind of happening when I when I got there. Um, and uh, Vice City is a good one to own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vice City was really the one that you know I put my heart and soul into because you know obviously as a Cuban kid from Miami, that's you know that's my background. Um, and Vice City was obviously, you know, taking place in this mythical or, or in this like sort of alternate version of Miami. Um, I felt very, very close to that game. And Sam Hauser, you know, who's probably the smartest guy I've ever met in this industry. Um, and not only smart, but most creative. You know, I think that Sam's true genius is in his incredibly unique creative perspective on everything. Um, and uh, his vision for Vice City was so clear-cut uh, in terms of the direction that he gave me of what I was supposed to do on that game in terms of content that it became like the most amazing experience that I've ever had creatively. And it's something that still kind of haunts me to this day, right? It's like, you know, I was 24 years old or something when I was working on Vice City. And, um, and the fact that, you know, it's like that, you know, it's like Dan Marino... Uh, having his best season his second year, right? You know, it's like, yeah. you know... Bill Simmons' language, you had your Apex Mountain really early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're still chasing that. Yeah, high. still chasing that. Look, at I've done some great stuff over the years, worked on some amazing things, started some great companies, but still, for me, that, the, the, you know, that Apex was definitely G, uh, GTA Vice City. I think that was just from the experience, because we'll get into the stuff that the videos you built at Collider that all the listeners are going to know exactly what those are. Like, those are... Massive accomplishments. For yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some great stuff thereafter. But like, nothing is like making a video game that completely redefines an entire industry. Sure. You know, and, and that's what it was like working at Rockstar. Was like you got to work. Um, it's like being part of the Beatles. You know, like I, I, um, I remember I did this uh, interview for Wired magazine back in the old days, and they asked me what's what's it like working at Rockstar, and it's like. Imagine if you were part of the Beatles, but the Beatles, instead of being four people, was like 40 people, you know, and, and that, that's what it felt like to work there. And you weren't putting out any music and telling everybody to fuck off until you're ready to drop your album, and then you just drop it and you don't need any support. <laughs> well, we were pretty much doing exactly that, you know. <laughs> yeah. You uh, did an E3 show where you had the buses in the middle of the E3, yeah, yeah, and then you put yeah. a chain link fence around it, and no one could get into it. Yes, yes. Like, it was like when you're supposed to be able to play your demos, it was definitely like... Yeah, yeah. Back back in the day, it's funny because I actually have some great E3 stories. So that E3, I know exactly the one you're talking about. At that point, I already worked for Echo. Echo and I had already started okay. Echo Games at that point. Um, so that was after my time at Rockstar, but... Um, one of my favorite stories ever at E3 was uh, we did an E3, I believe it was the 2001 E3, uh, the summer of 2001, where we had a very normal looking booth, uh, Take-Two Interactive, and we had um, a State of Emergency and GTA 3 on the floor. I remember that. I've got a story about that, too. I remember that. Yeah. So we had GTA 3 and, and, uh, and State of Emergency on the floor, and... Um, 
you know, it was a normal looking booth, but um, uh, State of Emergency actually won E3 Game of the Show. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, whatever that award is. It won, like, the big award. And everybody was super hyped on State of Emergency. People were into GTA 3, but it wasn't really a big deal. So when we left E3, I remember us, like, when we were doing our, our, our weekly management meetings, we were like... You know, uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 is coming out. Devil May Cry 2 is coming out. GTA 3, if we're third, we'll be very, very happy. You know, so like we were setting our expectations to be third. We thought State of Emergency was going to be like this breakaway hit. And like GTA 3 was Sam Hauser's baby because you have to remember uh, GTA, um, the uh, sort of isometric version of the game that... um, the great uh, 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 Paul Jones, what the hell's his name? Paul Jones, the, the founder of DMA. Um, I'm forgetting his name right now. But so uh, GTA was made by a company called DMA Studios. Yeah, I, I have the PC version of that. I bought the disc. I loved the first one, like that overhead cam shit, yeah, like yeah. spectacular. And look, and it's the basic. Basically, it's the same exact game. Um, so so Jones left DMA. And then when Rockstar took over, um, you know, they told them, hey, there's this company called Criterion um, that has this engine that's actually really easy to plug into. And we feel pretty confident that we can turn GTA into a 3D game. And uh, uh, Davy Jones is his name. Davy Jones was completely against that. You know, he said, like, he's like the... the uh, the soul of GTA is top down. That's the way the game shall always be. And Hauser was like, no, I think that, I think that, you know, the guys are right. You know, it, it should be 3d. So then we did the deal with Criterion. We got the renderware engine, uh, back in the day and, uh, and the guys made it work and they made GTA three happen on, um, on, uh, you know, full on 3d in the engine. And then the game was set to release and, uh, nine 11 happened. You know, so like we were actually set to release like uh, a few uh, um, weeks after 9-11. And um, obviously 9-11 was a, you know, took us all by shock, you know, and uh, we had to redo a bunch of stuff in the game. You guys were in New York, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Soho. We we were on uh, on on Prince and Broadway, you know, down in Soho. So everybody, like I was in Seattle, and we were impacted, but I wasn't in New York, you know. Right, right. I mean, we were right there, you know, and like the game took place in Liberty City, which is um, basically New York, and um, you know, we had the Twin Towers in there. We had to get rid of that. Uh, we had uh, the cop cars looked pretty much exactly like New York City cop cars. We had to change that. So we had to do a lot of changes in the game to try to make it a little bit more sensitive to the incredibly sort of strange. Yeah, the culture, culture was changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The sure. culture was. And it wasn't that the culture was changing. The culture just kind of exploded at that point. Like, I mean, it's like before and after 9-11, right? And, and GTA was launching right at that time. Um, so then we had to delay it a bit, and I think we actually launched GTA 3 in October or something like that, so maybe like a month after okay. 9-11. I, I loved the top-down version, and I remember that E3 because State of Emergency was amazing. Like I, I yeah. played the shit out of that game. I love that game. But I was like, oh, my favorite game is now 3D, and I remember sitting in – this is oh, when okay. you yeah, guys yeah. allow people into your booth, um, and I could actually play it, and I played that thing for hours in the booth, yeah. and I was blown away. I felt like I was the only one that was blown away at the moment. So State of Emergency being more exciting makes sense to me because I kept talking about how amazing that was, and I don't think everybody had played the original ones. So. Yeah, and SOE bombed. 
Yeah. State of emergency bombed. Yeah. Like we had a good first day of sales and then it bombed. It, it got terrible Which reviews. so funny because I, pl- I played it. Yeah. But out. everybody was like state of emergency is the greatest thing that's ever happened because it, it, I mean, the, the, the tech demo side of it looks amazing, right? Yeah. You got like hundreds of people on screen. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, in a shopping mall, breaking windows, throwing fire, beating people up. I mean, it has all the trimmings of something that would be awesome. I loved the mall. Like it was like, what's the zombie game in the malls this year? Oh like, god, what was that? Uh, yeah, you know, what I'm left out or uh, whatever. But yeah, yeah, there's a there's like shopping mall zombies, like that whole engagement thing. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. were ahead of all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. the the play the play was different. It was there's some repetitive nature to it. But it was, yeah, yeah, it's just like you know, GTA was such GTA was so good. Uh, yeah, it had all this open-ended gameplay, but the real magic of GTA was that it was so good as a narrative machine. Like, you could tell a really engaging story through those gameplay systems. And, like, that's the real genius of GTA was, like, yeah, you could do anything you wanted and you could tell your own story, but it was also really interesting to weave in a scripted story into this very free, uh, free-form sort of design. And um, that's the real genius of it. And it's still a genius that carries on to like Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't know if you played that, sure. but obviously a, a masterpiece, in my opinion, probably the most advanced video game ever made. But at its core, it's still exactly what Davy Jones did with the original GTA and the top-down sandbox design of being able to have a sandbox design that's open-ended but have enough narrative nodes inside the game that it gives you a breadcrumb trail to actually tell a story, you know? And it's it's a fascinating design, and it's one now that's completely changed the whole thing, right? Like, everybody uses it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when you think about taking that top-down version and bringing it into 3D, it reminds me a lot of uh, what Cyberpunk is doing where they're taking an RPG book game and they're mm. they're bringing that to life in a, in a really different, huh. unique way. But I like the idea of the acquisition of the IP and then how do you kind of own and bring that IP to life. Really I've never played... Uh, look, I, I, um, I haven't played Cyberpunk. I haven't even seen much about it other than the obviously the Keanu Reeves uh, marketing stuff. But... Um, is that is that what it's like? It's uh, I'm, I'm, wor- I'm working on it, so I can't say too much. But oh, it's coming! Like it's, it's good. Huh? It's a monster. Who's yeah. making it? Uh, CD Projekt Red, who made The Witcher Three. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a yeah, big so, studio. Yeah, these these guys know what they're doing. Like, and they've put the time and effort in. I can't talk much about because I'm working on it, but it's, it's right, right, right. It's going to blow people away. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. What um, what's your favorite Sam Hauser story? If you had to give me a Sam, oh Hauser man, story? so many good ones. Sam, look, first of all, Sam is one of the most, uh, um, I've met a lot of celebrities in my time. I've met a lot of famous people. I've, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to like work adjacent to a lot of all these incredible talents. None of them to me match, you know, like even in my television stuff when I got to work on Dexter and like, you know, when that was blowing up, like, so I, I've done some cool stuff, but nothing compares to the effect that Sam has had on my life because of how uniquely uh, intense he is. But I think my, like, the one story that I, I think I love the most about Sam was, um, there's so many, but it, it, it's, it's like midday at the Rockstar offices, and this would happen several times, where, you know, we all had Blackberries back in those days, and uh, he would send me a little Blackberry message, like, you know, Fernandez, meet me downstairs. Um, and I'd meet him downstairs. Um, then we'd walk across the office into the NYU dorms where he would keep his car, uh, uh, parked and, uh, we'd drive around the city smoking dubs and, um, and listening to the songs that we were trying to license for Vice City, 
you know, and uh, having just trying to see if, as he would put it, the vibe of driving with this song matched the high concept that he wanted to put into the game. So we would literally go around the FDR highway around Manhattan and he would, he was always the one driving and he would haul ass in his Porsche and we would listen to all of the songs that he was curating for the game. And, um, we'd, we'd grade everyone to see which ones we would go after, um, on the licensing. And, um, I think to this day, nothing compares with the licensing effort that was the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack, uh, which I believe was like over a hundred songs of mainstream uh, 80s music that, you know, at the time, the financials around that were much more uh, like uh, accessible than they are now. You know, now if you try to license one song, they try to nail you for like a hundred grand. <laughs> Back in those days, I mean, we licensed Billie Jean, the Michael Jackson song. That's the first song you hear when you start the game and you get on the motorcycle or the moped, you hear Billie Jean. And we, you know, that was a very, uh, you know, specific decision. I think we got Billie Jean for like less than 10K, you know? So it's yeah. like... It's the that, world changed. Yeah, yeah. The world completely changed. It's so funny. I worked... So first off, those CD, I have that... I had that CD it's the box greatest, set. Yeah. I actually, I, I lost it in the move and like probably about a month ago I went on eBay and I was like, can I get that? And it's still like 300 bucks. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> right. I can't pull the trigger because I don't know where to put, I can't play it on anything, but yeah. it was spectacular. Peter Moore, I worked for, sure. uh, for a long time. He tells the story of, he worked on crazy taxi mm. and they wanted to put real restaurants and so they actually had to pay Burger King and KFC to allow them to put them inside the game. Right, right, right. right. Versus nowadays, you're going to make a mint selling that kind of yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah. brand. So he was paying Burger King to please let us put you in our game. Isn't he? Uh, Peter Moore now is like the uh, the head of the Liverpool soccer team or something, yeah. right? He's like the, yeah. the CMO of Liverpool yeah. or something runs like all that. that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have him on my pocket. He, he's he, a good dude. He's a great dude. Uh, I was honored to work for him at EA Sports. Super uh, aspirational, but that was always like that's his passion he's from liverpool and yeah yeah his sport. um so you liked sam hauser so much that you went and made a uh not official documentary on the man with the bbc you executive yeah produced. i mean the, yeah now we're talking 15 years later 20 <laughs> years later right? i just wanted to bring it up game changers starring uh daniel radcliffe yes sam well yeah. tell, give me a story on so this. so i was um I was kind of semi-retired at this point. I, I had tried my own gaming companies. This is after Echo and I did our games thing. And uh, the BBC reached out to me, and they were like, hey, we want to make a movie about Sam Hauser. Do you want to get involved with it? And I was like, sure. You know, to be honest with you, I wasn't really doing much. I was kind of chilling. I was actually living in the Florida Keys um, at the time. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and look, I did the best that I could. And um, ultimately, I think my contribution to the movie is is in there. But look, it's the BBC. They owned, you know, like they had final say. They they own everything. Sam's not helping you. It makes it tough to, to make it as authentic as you want it. Yeah. And like also like um, there's like actually like in the movie, for example, um, there's a scene that was actually uh, something that happened to me. Um, and they, two things that happened to me that was part of my sort of retelling of the whole story and they changed it. One of them that happened, you know, in the movie, it happens to Sam, not me when it actually happened to me. And then the other one, um, happened to me also and they changed it. So it happened to Jamie King. 
you know so fucking hollywood yeah it's you know so so (laughs) it's like you know oversimplifying everything um also um i had no contribution whatsoever to the um to the all the legal stuff because like the movie's got like this whole like b plot of this legal thing i don't even remember that going on you know so like sure so like i wasn't involved in that at all uh, the stuff inside the studio and the creative process was w- what I was really honed in on. Yeah. And I think ultimately they did a pretty poor job with it. Uh, but look, uh, you know, it was still cool to kind of work on. And sure. to be honest with you, I Sam knew that I was working on it. And um, Sam would ask me questions about it. Like, what are they doing here? What are they doing there? And I pretty much would talk to him about it. Yeah. You know, um, that's good. So, yeah, I mean. That's how you treat that with friends. Yeah. Yeah, back channel kind of info. Yeah. Uh, so Rockstar days, you leave Rockstar. You did your own company for a little bit, but then you you landed Atari, and I think this yeah. is where the Echo days. So this is where we become friends. Yeah, and I can't remember if I met you first or I met Mark Echo. The I artist. think you met Mark first. Okay, I think you. And met we Mark became first. friends because. I would come up. We took uh, we took Mark Echo to the draft all the time. Like yes. like the sport. Like we used to hang out with him. Um, my favorite story is when Trey Wingo from ESPN comes up to Mark Echo and says, "Oh, I love your shoes." Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah that's yeah. not me, Jack. Because I believe that um, you had the Echo team in Madden. Um, the year before I got to Echo. I think that was before me as well. I think that was, I think Tom Getty and some of the guys had him in a game before that. In the When I took over the Madden franchise, the relationship kind of came with me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm an artist fan, so I'm like, oh, fuck Mark, Mark Echo. Like, let's let's go. Let's yeah, yeah, because, because I actually do remember, and this is, man, this must be like 2005, 2000, yeah. early 2006, but you came into the Echo offices, and uh, you, me, and Mark sat down, and and, and it was kind of like uh, you know, like uh, bosom buddies, like like right off the bat. Yeah, we know? became friends quickly. Yeah, I just I loved him so much, and then you kind of understood gaming and was in the gaming, so it was just kind of a natural vibe, which is fun. Talk about um, what I loved about, which was an iconic moment, was getting up his yeah. his video game. How did that come to life, and how'd you sign that? <laughs> So so this is what this is when I was at Atari um, early days of me at Atari because uh, you know one of the first projects that was put on my lap was Enter the Matrix and Enter the Matrix shipped uh, I thought it did okay I loved that game and yeah. I was a huge Matrix fan and I know people shut on that I lo- like you guys shot live footage yeah yeah like yeah. the it was real a big actors, production like it was a huge deal and if you're a fan of that world and I got to go deeper in that world I thought yeah that game was I amazing. think they put like 40 million dollars into that game yeah, I, mean, I mean it was a, it was a big game shiny was the uh, yeah. was the developer I actually just bought a copy of that six months ago when I was in Seattle we were to use game store oh, of enter the matrix yeah because I'm gonna go back and get a, uh, an original Xbox and like that's the game I wanted to jump yeah into, yeah yeah so. classic game but very actually the fighting system in it I think is great but uh, so we were working on Enter the Matrix and then Bruno Bonell um, drops this thing he's like hey we're about to sign this game uh, with this fashion designer and I want you to work on it and uh, the game was you know getting up and it was an idea that Mark had um, about doing a graffiti video game and um, when Mark and I met we were just like instant you know instant friends you know um, and then basically long story short Mark um, kind of like for me, um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and it's very difficult for me to have a corporate job, even though like the rockstar job was great. 
I left Rockstar with eight people to start our own company, you know, Cashmere Games. Um, and there's a great book out there called Jacked, The Untold Story of Grand Theft Auto that actually chronicles that whole departure extremely well. Um, but I have that, you know, that, that, that insatiable urge inside me to always have my own thing. Um, and then Echo was pretty much like, hey, leave Atari. Let's 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 start a gaming division that focuses on making getting up and also can focus on getting other game deals. Right. Because Echo got the game deal with Atari. So he's like, well, if I had one deal, I can get multiple deals. Um, and like it didn't take too much convincing. I jumped right away, started working with Echo. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it was like if nobody if you guys haven't played getting up at the time, it was a breakthrough title because from its cultural perspective. Right. Like. Yeah. I mean, it had uh, Banksy in it uh, before anybody knew who the hell Banksy was. You know, Banksy contributed original art to the game. I mean, can you imagine asking Banksy now to, like, contribute art to a game? It, yeah. it, it would never happen, you know? Like, it wouldn't even come close to happening. Shepard Fairey, Cause. I mean, like, it, just go down the list. Uh, Futura, every single major street artist, um, you know, that was out was contributing to this game in a way that, you know, nobody had ever seen before. Our soundtrack was amazing. We won the MTV uh, Music Award for Best Video Game Soundtrack. Um, you know, Mark Echo had an incredible uh, vision for all of the gloss and the cultural layer that the game um, would, would bring to the table. But unfortunately, and even though I think they did a good job, the collective was the developer. Um, and back in the day, the collective had done games like the Buffy, the vampire slayer. That was like their big title. Um, and then they also did like the revenge of the Sith. Ironically enough, they did the episode three revenge of the Sith video game. Nobody likes that movie. Yeah. Well, people actually liked that game. Um, even though I didn't love that game, but it was a cool, had cool fighting mechanics and stuff like that. And, um, they did getting up and the game was okay. You know, the game wasn't great. But it wasn't bad either. The, ar um, the artistic footprint that it put in the space was bigger than the game itself. Yes, and that was the problem with it, you know. And, and I think that that's why GTA will always be king, because Sam was always like on GTA Three, it didn't look good. It, you know, it didn't look as good as uh, Devil May Cry. And it didn't look as good as Metal Gear Solid Two, but it had better gameplay than both of them put together. Yeah. You know, so the gameplay is the most important thing. The graphics are second. Um, and uh, with getting up, the graphics and the vibe was first, the gameplay was second, and I think it suffered a little bit for it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, putting a, I mean, he was so big at the time. Like, I still think people think him tagging Air Force One was a thing. Like, right, right, right. I mean, he just had so many cultural moments to really kind yeah, of yeah. blow up. And the clothing line and, and all the stuff he started doing, it was just kind of a thing. But I think one of the bigger things that I think he did was Complex. So Absolutely. Complex Absolutely. was such a contribution to culture. And you were running videos. So yeah, as, yeah. as we kind of evolved from your gaming stuff into, into Complex, you were running the video stuff there. You... you personally created some of the greatest shows that are still uh active on complex yeah yeah so like i don't know if i if i if i created them because that's not true in terms of an ideation perspective executive produce run manage. yeah 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 manage create them but i didn't idea ideate them and i think the two people that should get a lot of credit for coming up with these ideas um is uh chris schoenberger who was the editor-in-chief still is the editor-in-chief of first we feast uh, came up with hot ones, and uh, he sent me an email. I'll never forget. He sent me an email 
um, you know, pitching um, pitching the show, he, and he was like, either me or somebody like Sean Evans could could be the host. Um, and uh, the only person that replied to the email right away was this guy Donnie Kwok, who uh, you know worked uh, worked with us. And you know, Donnie had a lot of influence. So when I saw Donnie reply to it, I started taking it a little bit more seriously. And I actually put it into the pipeline of production, um, and we made it, you know. And I, I'll never forget the Tony Yayo episode um, when I got the first cut of it. So tell tell people Hot Ones. So explain Hot Ones real quick for people. Yeah, so don't. Hot Ones is this internet phenomenon now um, uh, where um, Sean Evans interviews um, a celebrity, uh, and they eat 10 spicy wings, and the questions get progressively uh, harder as the wings get hotter, right? Like that was kind of how we used to describe it back in the old days. Our first guest that we ever had on it was Tony Yayo of the 50 Cent crew and um, of G-Unit or whatnot. And um, I remember I got the first cut of it and the cut was really long. And people were chiming in to the, uh, to the email like, oh, this can't be longer than five minutes. This can't be longer than four minutes. We need to condense it down. And I remember writing back and look, I was in charge at the time and I wrote back and I was like, absolutely not. I was like, this show needs to be this long yeah. because you need to go through the pain of all 10 wings. That's what the show is all about. And Tony Yeo actually didn't even get through all the wings, right? So it's our first episode ever. Tony Yeo doesn't even get through the wings. Um, and um, But anyway, I mean, like that show was doing, you know, it was cool and we were all into it, but it didn't really start popping off until, um, uh, what's his name? Um the guy from um, Silicon Valley, and uh, he's also in Ready Player One. Burlock. Uh, no, Miller. Uh, yeah. Which one? Middle Ditch. TJ Miller. No, no, TJ Miller. TJ Miller. Yeah, TJ Miller was our first guest that was explosive. And um, I think he was the one that I always so point to. Just because of a time, because his... T- relevancy with where he was at the time is that what? Yeah, and also Reddit I think had a huge part in promoting the show early on. It found a Reddit audience very quickly. It's also a great show idea, and Chris Schoenberger deserves all the credit in the world for that because it was his idea. Yeah. Um, and then the other show that I'm very proud of was uh, sneaker shopping. You know, and sneaker shopping uh, was made or created or invented or ideated by one of my closest friends, Joe Lapuma. Uh, and Joe, it was Joe's idea. Um, and for me, again, I was just executive producing it, but that was the one show that I actually personally directed as well. Cause, uh, Joe was such a close friend of mine that, um, it became kind of like a really good bonding, you know, between us. And I directed maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes of that show. Um, you know, I'm the EP on, on, I was the EP on all of it, but, um, that show in particular, I would go into the weeds and actually get in, into the process with, but yeah, sneaker shopping and hot ones, which I think both of those are some of the biggest shows the internet's ever seen. Yeah. Who are the, who's on the sneaker shopping? I saw you Neymar. I mean, you guys get, oh, it's got, uh, you get everybody on that yeah, show, Yeah, right? yeah, Everybody, I mean, everybody. It's crazy. You also did the M&M doc. Which is some yeah. people say the best Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's hard to find right now. But um, yeah, yeah, we did the Eminem. Should shouldn't it's Eminem? It should be hard to find. Should there should be some kind of controversy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The doc was called "Not say. Afraid," um, and it was uh, the story of Shady Records, and it was absolutely such a fun time to work on. Um, but yeah, um, the Basque Brothers had some issues with it. 
Who are they? They were the guys who who uh, discovered Eminem back okay. in the day. So um, it's hard to find. I think you can still find it somewhere if you look hard enough. But yeah, it's hard yeah. to find. It's not being yeah, distributed. Jorge on my team can find everything on the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We'll, right. We'll, we'll post a link. We'll, yeah. we'll secretly hide that out there. Um, so you crush all of that stuff. You buy Collider. Yeah. You talked a little bit about Collider. Movie talk. Uh, talk about the show lineup that you have now. Yeah, so you know we have Movie Talk, we have Collider Live, we have Collider Heroes, we have Jedi Council. Um, then we have my Star Wars show, Rule of Two. Um, we also have Comic Book Shopping, which is kind of like you know at the time when I was running the Complex Video, I had a sneaker shopping uh, sort of uh, like uh, you know uh, offshoot called Comic Book Shopping, which is still on the Collider channel. Great show. We did Jake Gyllenhaal on that. We just did Kevin Smith. I saw you did Kevin. So that's so funny. You did Kevin Smith on that, but I just saw him rip off the hot ones like two weeks ago. Because oh, he, did he? Yeah, he. You should go see it. It's I can't remember the name of it. It's literally a rip off, and he's like, I can't get invited onto Hot Ones, so fuck him. I'm going to do my own show. Oh, did it really? It's really good. Like it's that's fun. funny. I mean, it's Kevin Smith. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith is a good dude, and. Um, uh, yeah, you know, so that's the lineup. We also, uh, I'm starting to do a, a little bit more experimental stuff. I have a show coming out that I can't wait uh, for the fans to see with, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tease it here because nobody even knows it stuff, but Mark Ellis is the host of it. Um, coming back. Yeah, coming back for this show. Um, and um, it's it's really, really, really cool, really experimental, really out there stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's fun experimenting with all the video stuff, but you know, movie talk, Collider Live, Heroes, Jedi Council, that's kind of like the core. And that's what I, that's how I got to know Collider really well. The website was always great. I, when I was at Legendary, I think, you know, I worked Frosty, I worked with all those guys with the website stuff, yeah. but the video content was always good. You guys are, you, you have your own place, but you also have YouTube. You're getting 40 to 50,000 views on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look, uh, some views have videos. dropped. I think YouTube has changed a lot. Um, you know, we expanded into podcasts and, uh, our podcasts make up a lot of our views as well. Um, you know, uh, we have, we have a very hardcore audience. Like our audience is not like transient. It's not like some videos do great because of SEO or, or cause the topics are good. Our videos are pretty consistent because our audience is so dedicated. Yeah. Um, and that's look, and that's cool to see. Um, and for me though, my responsibility is how do I grow that audience more, right? Like how do I make it bigger? Um, and that's what we're trying to do by doing all this kind of on the fringe experimentation stuff that you'll start seeing in the next few months, you know? Yeah. And I think as you guys, you've got that stuff locked down. I think your true passion is VR. So you're starting Collider Games. Yeah. Um, and I know that's where you, that's what you, like, I, yeah. like, I can't get a hold of you cause you're in the headset for five or six hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're gone. Yeah, it's funny. Cause I actually just downloaded last night. Last night was a big night cause we had El Camino drop at midnight. And, uh, yesterday also Asgard's Wrath came out by Sanzaru Games, um, on the Rift, which is the first true, um, triple A VR game I think ever released. Like, like, because it's, it's a 77 gig behemoth it's like a true like 40 hour style game i'm very excited to play it this weekend um but yeah i absolutely love vr um you know like i said a little bit hinted at before i've worked with showtime in the past so showtime and i and you know working very closely with david lynch we did a vr game around twin peaks which is going to be coming out very 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 soon 
which I'm excited about. But then um, I also have uh, three other games in development that I, I, you know, I can't talk about the specifics, but they're so much fun, all original IP um, that that touch on the passions that I have. And I truly believe that VR um, is just a matter of time um, for it to become ubiquitous. Um, what get what gets you excited about VR? I mean, I know how passionate you are about it. What what drives your energy in that space? Is it because it's hasn't been cracked yet, or what? what Maybe it? a little bit of that, you know, because I I I, um, I think that that's something that always pulls at me is like the idea of being a a pioneer in in something, you know. But the danger with that is that maybe you're too early, yeah. you know. Um, like when I left Rockstar. My company that I started was a mobile games company, and this is back in the day when Jam Dad and J2ME and uh, and Brew and people were making games for like the T, you know, like like the Motorola T21 and stuff like that. So it was a little early, you know. But mobile games obviously became this explosive thing, and we were all in on it maybe three years before it actually popped, you know. Um, So there's always that danger. Um, but I think with VR, what gets me really excited about VR is a few things. One of them, it's multiplayer and PvP has always been kind of my thing. You know, my favorite game of all time, uh, and it's not even close, is Star Wars Galaxies. You know, and, and I think, I don't know if you ever played Star Wars Galaxies. Sure, I but. shot so many rats trying to build my character on that, <laughs> right, that right, first right. world I was on. Yeah, right. sure. so, so Star Wars Galaxies is my favorite game of all time. And uh, the thing that Star Wars Galaxies has done that no game, I, I don't believe has done maybe world of warcraft is the only one that like uh, kind of did it as well is this incredible combination of 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 community of social gameplay and mixing it in with legitimate player versus player combat you know where it's like there's an uneasy truce whenever you're walking around anywhere in that game of star wars galaxies because mm-hmm. back in the day you could be friendly hanging out in feed, but before you know it, like it goes from zero to a hundred and everybody's like in a war, you know? So it wasn't like world of Warcraft where the PVP is like, you can only PVP in these zones or in this mode in star Wars galaxies. It was more of a free for all, right? Like kind of like how the real world is. Oh, yeah. True open world. Kind yeah. Yeah. Of and, um, you know, and those things are always the things that attract me the most about games. And then when you take that into VR, and now you're no longer looking at a two-dimensional flat screen and, and, and interacting with your mouse and your WASD keys, but you're actually in the world physically present, um, and it's just completely encompassing all around you, and you get that kind of gameplay thrown into the mix. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, me and my business partner, my business partner lives uh, you know, overseas, and the way that we interact with each other most of the time is in VR, playing VR PokerStars or, or, or Rec Room or whatever, because it feels like you're interacting with somebody like in a physical space. Um, and then you have the co-op experience, games like Arizona Sunshine that were just breakthrough, um, or games like Beat Saber that make you feel like you actually did like a 20-minute workout, you know? Like VR takes games and like puts it straight into like, it's like injecting it right into the bloodstream, you know? Um, where it's like now, you know, a buddy of mine and I play uh, um, some Red Dead Redemption 2 online. That's kind of how he and I keep in touch. And we'll do, uh, you know, RDR 2 online. And RDR 2 is one of the most incredible games ever made. But, and I'm playing it on a 4K projector, okay, 100 inches. Like, I, I mean, it's optimal playing experience. It doesn't compare to what you can get on a $400 Oculus Quest. 
you know, of some much lesser game like bass fishing, you know, because like the immersion level that you get inside VR is just so exponentially more advanced that uh, it kind of makes the old school gaming just seem inadequate, you know. Um, And for me, I want to be able to design for these experiences, you know, so that's what I get a kick out of. No, that's awesome. I can't wait to. uh, My wife's a huge Twin Peaks fan. So, oh, okay, cool. We, yeah, yeah, we grew up in Seattle. So it's. You know, we've we've been to all the sites, we've done all that stuff. So yeah, I can't wait to check that out. Cool. That's coming soon, very soon. Very soon for Oculus Rift, HTC Vive. So Oculus Rift, the Steam Store, and then uh, the Oculus Quest, okay. which is an incredible machine. If you haven't bought one of those yet, like you need to get one. Okay. Uh, now let's get into the real thing we were going to talk about. Okay. Why do you think episode three is the best Star Wars movie? Like, that's just an uneducated decision to think that that's the movie. So so let me be very, very clear about this. Um, so I don't think it's the best Star Wars movie. No, good. So I think it's, it's but it's my favorite Star Wars movie. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Now, I think the best Star Wars movie... Is it movie, because of Jar Jar Binks? Or what is the thing that you take yeah. out of that film? That His vote <laughs> to, in the Senate that really kind of kicked everything off. Is that the moment? Or what's the moment? No, no, no. So, look, for me, the moment is that um, Revenge of the Sith is, to me, um, it's, the, it's the Star Wars movie that hits on all the cylinders. Okay? So... When George Lucas created this incredible uh, property, this incredible franchise, and if you guys want to hear kind of this stuff, you can tune into Rule of Two. It's, you Which know, is a really good Star Wars hardcore show that I listen to constantly. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, he'll t- tweet his top five lit, and I just can't. <laughs> right, like, right, right. I can't go to sleep at night when I see that I have to respond. Yeah, yeah. And like, it gets a lot of, uh, gets a lot of discussion around it. But um, so like... If you look at Star Wars as a as a like as a story with a beginning and an end, right? And I'm talking about the real Star Wars. I'm not put put aside the sequel stuff, okay? Because the sequel seven, stuff, eight, nine are out of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, eight, nine or something else, right? But you you go one through six, um, and you look at it on a timeline. You basically have three is right in the middle, right? So three is you know your rising action your peak and then your falling action, which is your resolution, three is right at that center point, you know? So for me, um, seeing Darth Vader, and even though I do admit it could have been a little bit more intense, seeing uh, Anakin Skywalker fall to the dark side, fall to the manipulation of the Emperor, become Darth Vader, um, go from being this cocky, arrogant kid who is ultimately a good guy, just a little bit, um, a little bit anxious into becoming this like, you know, full blown military, like death machine is like the stuff that star Wars was invented to make, you know? And yeah, could it have been better? Of course, but everything could be better. Should he have slaughtered those kids? I, first of all, yes, but he should have also slaughtered the Jedi. And to me, and I talk about this a lot on rule of two, my biggest single regret, it's it's ironic because my favorite movie is Revenge of the Sith, but my biggest single regret in all of Star Wars is also Revenge of the Sith because... He didn't go far enough. Because he didn't take the slaughtering of the Jedi to the level that we always wanted to take it, you know? Like, we always talk about that. The first movie should have been uh, The Clones, you know? The second movie should have been Revenge of the Sith, and the third movie should have been Vader just fucking... Just tear, just, just tearing everything up, you know? Um because we get very little of Vader tearing everything up. We get very, very, very little of it. And uh, it's a shame. 
D- it's, a, it's a bloody shame. I think Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie. Oof. And that includes You're out everything. out of your mind. I, Rogue I, One? Explain to me why it's not. Because I'll tell you what. You want to talk about your little apex there, one through three, four through six. In the middle of three and four is Rogue One. It is the epicenter of the saga. The movie starts with the rebels actually literally murdering someone, right? Right, right. You never see that. They are actually real rebels. Yeah. It solves a plot point in episode four where, like, wait, I can just drop a grenade on this planet and uh, dust, like this quote-unquote dust star that could kill everything. I dropped it. Like, that's a huge plot problem for four, right? Right. That whole movie makes four better. Um, I thought the characters that you see in there, I think she's amazing. She's amazing. The droids are amazing. You're like K2SO or whatever. K2SO yeah. is amazing. I think... Rogue One makes four better. Now we could, like people yeah, could but argue you can't with compare. me. You can like Rogue One, like like when you're trying to teach philosophy of uh, of you can teach philosophy through the Star Wars films, one through six. Okay, you can't even one, even the Phantom Menace that people always think is is such crap. You can teach philosophy through that film and through the story that one through six tells. Rogue One well, is just a the, fan film. How do the metachlorines in the philosophy work together? Look, the um, it's should, funny because, uh, because because I talk about this on Rula too. But if you think about it this way, um, the the Jedi, the people, right? Um, think of those as trees, okay? And the metachlorines are the roots, you know. And like the metachlorian, it's funny because um, there's pretty good uh, substantiated rumor that the next trilogy that Lucas was going to do was actually focused in on the midichlorians. Um, and it was about the the fact that one through six did a good job at, at cutting down the tree of evil, but it didn't get to the root of, of, of the evil. So Kevin, so Kevin is going to work... Yes. Uh, on yes. the Metachlorine series. Yes. Is that, is that where we think this is going? I, I, this is, this, I almost know this is where we're going. All right. So listen, you, like most people will argue with me and say five is the best, which I'm good with that decision. I think Rogue One makes four better, which makes that probably the better one. So if I gave you the ranking, it's Rogue One, it's five, it's four, Oof, you're it's out of six, your mind. Really? Rogue it's One seven, it's eight. It's three, two, one. Like your movies are in the bottom. Like none yeah, yeah, of those yeah. belong in. Look, look. First of all, um, I suggest you watch it again. Watch it again with your kids. Okay. Do you have kids? Yeah, I do. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You have twins. Yeah, you have twins. You haven't seen like. Do you corrupt their minds and not let them enjoy uh, the prequels? My kids, uh, they're a little bothered by Jar Jar Binks without me. Like, they don't like that guy stepping in poo. Like, they're not, they're pretty smart kids. They like Rogue One a lot. I may have started them on Rogue One and went four, five, six. And I think mom may have let them watch one, two, and three without my approval of that, <laughs> that happening. So, like, one, two, and three don't really, and I worked on one and two. Like, oh, did you? I ran Star Wars for Wizards of the Coast. Like, I was on the, I've pitched, I pitched marketing plans to George. Oh, that's on, cool. Man. On the ranch, I've eaten the blue cheese and peach sandwiches that he grows in the garden. Like I've done all of that stuff. I love that's Lucas. awesome. I love Lucasfilm. I love George. I love everything about it. I think he'd be fine if I argued my favorite yeah, movies all, in a row. Sure, but uh, they those don't exist in our house. Like the one, two, and three. Like which is amazing because like uh, one and two. I think one and two are cool. Um, I like two a little bit better than one. 
Um, I like Django Fett. Like I did all. I ran Celebration Two for Wizards. So like, oh, okay. I brought on all the talent. Like we did all that stuff. Like I loved the talent behind it. I had did Jake. We relaunched the Star Wars role playing game, and Jake Lloyd came to our thing. So I managed him in Episode One. We did. So I've I've lived the life. I just I, it's tough, man. Yeah. Look for me, uh, one and two. Um, I can see how it's tough to me. Uh, eight is the toughest one. I think Last Jedi is like it's not even Star Wars. It's like some other weird thing. Um, but um, three to me, it's where it all comes together. I absolutely love three. I love the saber culture of it. Like um, I love the fall to the dark side. I know that I love that movie because every single time I watch it, and um, and Obi Wan is standing there saying. Anakin, you were my brother, you know, like, what the fuck happened here? Like, why is this going on? You know, like, it. I always want Anakin to not do it, you know? Like, even though you know exactly what's going to happen and you know it's inevitable, like, you still, you still want the choice to be different. And, like, um, the smartest thing I've ever heard about filmmaking is that every single scene needs to be a choice, you know, and um, that movie is full of choice. You know, so anyway, for me, Revenge of the Sith is a is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, is uh, it as perfect as like Rogue Empire One? Strikes Back or Rogue One? Rogue One. Look, I'll give you my quick little summary of uh, or my quick little review of Rogue One. I think Rogue One is okay. Uh, it's the best of the new ones. It's the best of the sequels, without a doubt. Um, but if you were to tell me, like, what's like, uh, what's your favorite scene in Rogue One? I like when they get to the beach. I do like when they get to okay. the beach. So most people will probably tell you, like, you know, they'd probably jump straight into the Vader scene, you know? so Sure, which was added late. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically saying, okay, this is, like, all of the brand values of, of something that's been around for 40 years, and you get, like, 15 seconds of it, you know? I get it. And that's connecting That's connecting that one in four. Yeah. And like, and Krennic is my favorite part of the Rogue One. I, I think Krennic is an absolute I, awesome character. I, I, I like all of them. I do appreciate how... Passionate you are about your belief. I know when you moved into your new offices, the first thing you brought in was your episode three poster that I was <laughs> rolling my eyes. At. But I like how you're unapologetic about your of passion. Course, for of course, of course. Um, I think we could ag- agree on Joker. And oh, uh, Joker was brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, at least yeah. we agree on something. Yeah, look, and, and like I think that Star Wars um, has time has been very kind to the prequels um, because so much of that fan base that were little kids. And the intended audience when George made it are now in like this millennial 30 somethings. And um, it's, you know, my good buddy, uh, Star Wars Theory, um, you know, his polls when he's doing uh, top 10 Star Wars movies, Revenge of the Sith gets like 65, 70% of the vote, you know? So there's like an entire age class where Revenge of the Sith is their empire, you know? All right, I'll go watch it again. I probably haven't watched it since it came out digitally, and the thing I love watching about them is the behind the scenes, like all the, right. the making is, is yeah, right yeah, together. Yeah. I'll go back and watch them. I'm going to come on. I want to come on Roll of Two. Yeah, yeah, I just want to argue. You're welcome. You're welcome. We'll argue this stuff. So, Thank you for coming out here. Oh, man, thank you for having me. I appreciate this, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to, that we're going to be able to talk about in the future. So, All right, awesome. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right.